truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me. We have an extra guest for our first hour. John Miller, our White House correspondent on The Blaze, is here with us because we'll be getting to the Dace Group Roundtable here in just a moment. 888-900-3393 is the number here at The Blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And you know when it comes to Facebook, you know the rule. We're currently being shadow banned, so like us a lot. Keep liking us over and over again. And right now we're thinking about every 34 likes is actually being recorded by Facebook. So just keep hitting that button. Thank you. Uh, coming up, uh, other than the Dace Group, we've got uh, an hour of your Feedback Friday. We're going to have some fun with that in the next hour. Uh, our Truth Bomb segment, we're going to see, and Todd and Aaron are going to be the judges. You guys are going to count. How many Truth Bombs can I drop next hour in response to listener feedback that we're going to talk about next hour? All right, so every time you think I've dropped the Truth Bomb, all right, I'm going to put the over-under on four truth bombs that I will drop next hour. All right. I'm sorry. I forgot my abacus today, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to count higher than two, but well, you are a millennial and you weren't taught any critical thinking skills. So Todd, as a Gen Xer, you'll be responsible for counting above two. Apparently I will tally accordingly. (laughs) All right. So we'll see how many truth bombs we can drop next hour. Now, if you want the ultimate truth bomb, that's where the word of God comes in. That's where our friends at back to Jerusalem come in and they have a heart for taking God's word to what are called closed countries all over the world. And these are closed countries because their oppressive regimes there have attempted as best they can to close their people off to the Bible because that they don't want their people to be hope-filled, inspired. Hope-filled and inspired people usually have a tendency to be less tolerant of being oppressed. That's why they've closed them off. And our friends at Back to Jerusalem, they're based in communist China. Their heart of their mission is to take the scriptures to every closed country between communist China and Jerusalem. So we're talking Iran, Somalia, where we get our members of Congress these days, uh, North Korea, countries like that, but they need our help. Uh, the total cost of taking one of their Bibles, they've shrunk down into an electronic form, small enough to sneak it past the gatekeepers in this country. Total production cost from the beginning of the process to handing it to a person in one of these countries is about $15 a Bible. So they're looking for that from each of us about the cost of you and a friend going out to a fast food lunch today. If this sounds like a cost that you want to support, here's how. Blazehelp.org is the website, blazehelp.org. Or you can just give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now, it's time for the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends at RidUZone. If your New Year's resolutions have lost their resolve, particularly when it comes to getting healthier and losing weight, it may not be your fault. As we get older, the old body clock metabolism slows down, and that's where RidUZone comes in. This is not a stimulant. You turn over the bottle. There's like four ingredients, and rice is one of them. All right? This is an all-natural product whose main ingredient is a substance known as OEA, which is one of the main ingredients you find in olive oil, for example. And it's something our bodies produce a, a lot more of when we're younger. 
but produce uh, all of our lives. And, and it's a key metabolic uh, regulator. It both uh, stokes that metabolic rate when you want to kick that machine, that fat burning machine into another gear, but then it also teaches the body, hey, I'm full, slow down. So you've got a choice here. You could drink an entire bottle of olive oil if you're a little bit older uh, and you want to use that to get your met metabolism going. That seems like a pretty intense move. All right, or you just take one capsule of Riduzone. And right now you can get a three-month supply of those capsules for 30% off when you use my name as a promo code Steve at Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, promo code Steve. Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Let's get to issue one, fair or foul. You know, there are moments since 2016, strange, creepy moments, moments that make you question reality, like an out-of-body experience where you realize for the 49th time, for better or worse, Donald Trump is president. Yesterday was one of those moments. I shake hands, I hug people, I, I grab men and women by the shoulders and say, you can do this. And, and, uh, and whether they're women, men, young, old, it's just the way I've always been. It's the way I've tried to show I care about them and I'm listening. But seriously, Joe Biden released the following video this week in the aftermath of four separate allegations of him inappropriately touching and smelling women. And over the years, knowing what I've been through, the things that I've faced, I've found that scores, if not hundreds of people have come up to me and reached out for solace and comfort, something, something, anything that may help them get through the tragedy they're going through. And and, uh, and, and so I, it's just just who, who I am. And I've never thought of politics as cold and antiseptic. I, I've always thought about connecting with people. As I said, shaking hands, uh, hands on the shoulder, a hug, uh, encouragement. And now, and now it's all about taking selfies together. Uh, you know, social norms have begun to change. They've shifted. And the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. I hear what they're saying. I understand it. And I'll be much more mindful. That's my responsibility. My responsibility, and I'll meet it. But I'll always believe governing, quite frankly, life for that matter, is about connecting, about connecting with people. After he released that video, three more women came forward to say his behavior made them feel uncomfortable. So I'm sure everything is cool in Joe Biden's camp. By the way, in the last hour, another woman has come forward now. Uh, this one is a, a sexual assault survivor advocate uh, that says Joe Biden violated her personal space in an uncomfortable way back in 2016. So this was being debated in my Twitter feed uh, this week by some prominent conservatives. So I thought I would bring this debate here. Is Joe Biden being targeted here fairly or unfairly? And as our guest here today, John Miller, we'll let you go first. What say you, sir? I think absolutely it's fair. I mean, I think that from what I've seen, it's widespread ridicule and mockery. OK, there are some who are trying to chalk it up or at least uh, insinuate that it is some kind of sexual assault. That's not fair. It's not sexual assault. It's creepy. It's weird. And I think the mockery that we've seen on the Internet and on Twitter and on Facebook is absolutely fair. I just want to know why now. I want to know he's been doing this for years. Why is it bubbling up to the surface now? But I'm happy to participate in the mockery. You're nodding your head. Yes, Todd. Why? Well, uh, let me I'll get to the fair part in a second. It is grossly unfair to the extent that any politician who's been in office for, I mean, how long? 
Steve, you and I were in knickers, you know, when he came into mm-hmm. uh, a public office. I was 15 years old when Joe Biden had to drop out of the 1988 Democrat presidential race in the primary yeah. for plagiarism charges. Remember he's, that? He's, yeah. been, he's been around forever. So he, he's been vice president of the United States under our first black president for eight years. There's a record there. There's a belief system and a worldview issue there. And any country worth having, that's the thing we, sh- we can and must talk about uh, in order to propagate something for our children to have. Since we do this, uh, uh, it is an utter distraction. We, we end up nominating and voting for people based on a silly popularity contest. Steve, you're dead on. You're talking about we're back in high school. So to that extent, whether it's Joe Biden, another Democrat or a Republican, it's ridiculous unfair to all of us that now we're doing this. But back to where John is. Of course, it's fair because he, Joe Biden, has been, if not outright planting the seeds of getting to this point down the road, he's been fine to water them and tend them and pat them on the head and keep that garden going. When he could have been a grown-up in the room a long time ago and said, you know, uh, this party you got, you youngins are trying to uh, grow, take away from us it is, is going to lead to utter chaos, and I'm an American, and while I do have some belief systems different from Republicans, I don't hate my country like you guys do. He could have done that at any time. He didn't, so John, of course, is right. It's absolutely fair. Before I ask any follow-up questions, Aaron, let me get your take on the opening question. Uh, from the right, I think it's completely, I think it's uh, completely fair, uh, and I, I think this uh, false choice of, uh, or this, I think there's this false um, indistinction being made between creepiness and sexual assault. I'm not mm-hmm. sure anybody making a case that uh, Joe Biden is is a Harvey Weinstein type. I will tell you where it is grossly unfair. It is grossly unfair to Joe Biden. That he is receiving any criticism at all from the Huffington Post, which has been on a warpath against him this week, and anybody else on the left or left of center. It is grossly unfair. It just shows you how little... Uh, how little uh, importance they put on having a list of priorities. I mean, after all, now this would be fair. This would be fair in certain circumstances, but after all, uh, isn't there a lieutenant governor in Virginia right now who's mm-hmm. actually on, uh, you know, going through some of the uh, investigative stages of, uh, in, in, you know, of allegations of sexual assault uh, against him, and he's still in office right now. So this seems a little bit uh, further down the list of priorities right now. At least it should be for the Democrats. And I'm just, I for one, clutching my non-existent pearls, am shocked that they would go to this level while they are harboring a an alleged sexual predator in Virginia. So I think there's two separate conversations happening here. One of them involves generational shifts in the d- relationship dynamics between men and women. Let's table that for a second because I do want to ad- address that, all right? But I don't, I don't want it to get that conversation, which I think we all, to some probably varying degree, think is important. And between Todd and I, we've got six daughters, for example. Um, that's one conversation here. But the timing of this is, is the political conversation. And John, you alluded to this. I, I, and I said this on the show yesterday. You tell me if you agree or disagree. I, I have no idea about the merits of these allegations against Biden. But the timing of them, I find highly suspect. And I think having those three women come out within 10 minutes after he put that video out, for example, I think this is a coordinated job by the left. Uh, Maybe they've been Biden, their time. 
Huh? 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 Mm, See what uh, I did there? You like that? This might be a okay. long show. All right. Eesh. Was that my first truth bomb of the day? No? No. No, <laughs> no that just was a bomb. Uh, but uh, I, I think that this is a coordinated hit job on the, from the left to take him out. They don't want him as their nominee. Correct. I think that's what the timing of this is. John, your thoughts? I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's interesting because you have the book from Peter Schweitzer uh, about widespread corruption and the involvement of Biden and Biden's son, Hunter, in uh, basically, uh, it, it seems like... Can I reset, to me for, since China. you invoked a name, pardon me, just want to let our audience know, Peter P. Schweitzer's done some excellent work, and he's, he's, he's done it to people on both sides of the aisle. He's pointed out how much money the, the McConnells have made since they've been in Congress, for example. He wrote the Clinton Cash, I think, thing a few years ago as well. So this guy, his big bent is is graft and corruption in politics. He is not just, you know, uh, you know, a guy that's peddling one side's propaganda versus the other. Please continue your point, John. Right. I'm sorry. And he has a book, Secret Empires, which talks about Biden and his son flying on Air Force Two to China. Mm-hmm. Biden comes back with a super soft stance on China. And then Biden's son inks a one point five billion dollar private equity deal with the Chinese company. So you have corruption like that going on. I don't think the left wants to go all the way there because then. Then you open up the hatch on all of the corruption on the left. So instead, they're just saying, "Okay, well, he doesn't exactly fit our new Me Too standards. But I absolutely think that you're right. That is a coordinated effort uh, to 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 remove Biden from the list because they want someone who's woker, who, who, who is maybe a woman of color, who maybe is gay. They want somebody who checks more boxes than Biden. I think that that's what this is about. Todd, they have to understand. And, you know, when it comes to moral certainty and consistency, you know, we've often said in our program, self-awareness is dead. And, you know, that's the beauty of progressivism is you never have to say you're sorry and you never have to be self-aware. All right. But they are and have shown in terms of political acumen, they're very aware. Right. They've shown that we should tactically respect them. Don't you think? I think they've shown that. So they have to know putting all these things out there about Biden now takes away while while if Biden were to still be the nominee, they would still play the Trump has been charged of the sexual assault and the NBC video. They would still play that card to their audience, but they have to know that it would that they are removing their ability to take that card and play it to the swing suburban white female vote that's going to probably decide this next election. That's why I think this is an attempt to take him out right now in the primary to make him damaged goods and highly toxic. And they're at, I think that I think they are. This is hell no, Joe. We won't go. Yeah. What do you think? And it's a sign that they learned nothing, uh, as Nick Kristoff said, perhaps for what, two seconds that uh, they should, uh, that they might want to slow their uh, role on this kind of thing. They are doing to Biden what they did ultimately at the beginning to Donald Trump, playing puppet master, trying to push him forward because they thought he'd be the easiest to kill, and then they realized they created a monster they couldn't control. It This is all uh, related. They are just dialing up their machinations up to 11. They're going all in now on uh, their progressive uh, test tube baby, whoever that turns out to be, and uh, because it's the, it's this is a religious cultish crusade and they they cannot abide a guy like joe biden a man out of time to get in their way all right final thing on this the generational aspect of it so john and and aaron you guys are both uh, millennials right correct okay correct so you guys have grown up in a totally post clarence thomas anita hill 
uh, some form of sexual harassment, uh, you know, personal space awareness era. Todd and I were in high school when all this was going on. All right. And we were the in this generation that had to make this transition. You know, I, I never heard. You know, it was called locker room talk. I, I know what locker room talk is. You and I have played sports our whole lives. Yeah, and we went through this conversation in 2016. I never heard stuff like grab them by the hoo-ha. Did you hear stuff like that in locker rooms when you were growing up? Because I didn't hear that stuff. Okay, did you hear stuff like that? Well, I mean, crazy stuff is said in locker rooms, but I mean, that that's that's not a sufficient justification for that. Okay, because what I'm wondering here is if this is, is this... I, I never hear I, I, this violation of personal stuff before you guys were here. I had two women work with me every day, full time for for four years. And I never even contemplated, you know, getting in their space or any. I think we might have hugged once and it was when my wife threw me a surprise birthday party when I was 39 and they came. I mean, we were just constantly aware of what the boundaries mm-hmm. and stuff were around here. So. Is both Biden and Trump are largely the same age. This is a you know from the baby boom generation. Is this is it really just a generational thing that maybe future you know our generation and particularly the millennial generation that it, this is totally foreign to them just didn't mm-hmm. understand an era where no. this stuff was commonplace or is this a creep factor? Well, th- well, this is mostly just politically motivated to what it is because for every instance that we now have complaining against Joe uh, Biden, you know. Y- all the people who want a seat at the table, you know how many women willingly on a regular basis have thrown themselves into the arms of Joe Biden way more than are complaining about this. So that's why he gets the sense is, hey, everybody wants, you know, a, oh, a hug from Joe Biden, a hug from any politician. Pick it. You, that happens all the time. But these other people, oh, I'm going to put that away in my pocket and I'm going to use it as my in my assassination attempt. I mean, that's the reality. This is pure politi- politics. What do you think, Karen? Yeah, I, I I err on that side as well. And as far as the culture change goes, I mean, you know, it 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 is. I think it is more just creepy uh, than than anything else. It the the smelling the hair thing is just anytime you lead. I've never with, seen anything like that in a professional it, setting in my life. Anytime you oh, lead with uh, you know inappropriately touching um, and smelling the hair, okay, uh, that's. That's that's not a a good thing. We'll just put it like that at all. But at the end of the day, I, culture or not, I don't think culture change or not. I don't know of a time where objectively the the type of touching that we've seen him do on camera and what he's accused of. Um, I don't know of a time really where that's ever been acceptable, especially in the public light. I think it was Ali Stuckey who tweeted earlier this week, and this is just her kind of conjecture. Uh, conjecture. Uh, and I thought it was uh, decent. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's not a sexual predator. But at the same time, he might just be some guy who get maybe gets off uh, in some way on touching in public light, you know, in the public, in the light of the public and getting away with it. And it could be that. We don't know, but at the end of the day, uh, I just think it's objectively creepy, no well, matter it, what era you come from. It's a, it's, it's. We're watching Mad Men episodes play out, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I, I mean, that show takes place a good ten years before I'm born, you know. So I don't know that. That's why I'm asking: Is it generational? Because Biden and Trump would have been part of that era. They would have been, they would have, you know, they would have had their formative years during those times. Let's get to the exit question. If Joe Biden's odds of becoming the Democrat nominee for president were a Duran Duran song, which Duran Duran song would it be? A, save a prayer. B, a view to a kill. Or C, hungry like the wolf, Todd. Very, very underrated band, by the way. That's why I'm using them today. A view to a kill. View to a kill. What do you think, John? 
Uh, I'm going to go with save a prayer. Aaron, save a prayer. Let's get to issue two. Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams rose to fame last year in a very hotly contested Georgia gubernatorial race. She's claimed on many occasions, including in her concession speech, that the race was stolen from her. I acknowledge that former Secretary of State Brian Kemp will be certified as the victor in the 2018 gubernatorial election. But to watch an elected official who claims to represent the people in this state baldly pin his hopes for election on the suppression of the people's democratic right to vote has been truly appalling. So let's be clear, this is not a speech of concession. Because concession means to acknowledge an action is right, true, or proper. As a woman of conscience and faith, I cannot concede that. She's been on the warpath ever since for so-called voting rights. She told Margaret Hoover she's super cool with illegals voting. What is your view about some municipalities like San Francisco who have decided that it's okay for some non-citizens to vote in local elections? I think there's a difference between municipal and state and federal. The granularity of what cities decide is so specific as to... I think, allow for people to be participants in the process without it somehow undermining our larger democratic ethic that says that you should be a citizen to be a part of the conversation. So not in some cases you would be supportive of non-citizens voting? I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't oppose it. I mean, I actually think that there are some cases where 16-year-olds should be allowed to cast their vote and cast their ballot. I think school board elections where kids actually got to speak to the effect of the decisions made by the school board members, the effect it has on their education, I think there is a legitimate argument for having that conversation. I haven't decided where I stand on it, but I think that's a conversation we need to have. She even gave the Democratic rebuttal to the State of the Union address. Let's be clear. Voter suppression is real. From making it harder to register and stay on the rolls, to moving and closing polling places, to rejecting lawful ballots, we can no longer ignore these threats to democracy. While I acknowledge the results of the 2018 election here in Georgia, I did not, and we cannot, accept efforts to undermine our right to vote. And she's been rumored to be Joe Biden's running mate should he enter the Democratic race for president. But what's really driving the push to make this former Georgia state representative a national face of the Democratic Party? It's time for the Intersectionality Madness Selection Show. Choosing the... So let's provide some context here. She lost her race by about 54,000 votes. Donald Trump won the presidency by 77,800 votes, something thereabouts, spread out over three states, not in each state, total. Less than 78,000 votes over three states he won the presidency by. She lost the governor race in Georgia by over 50,000 votes in one state. And somehow she is a symbol for voter suppression. So is the left's continuing elevation of her status simply a cynical ploy to raise her profile enough to establish her as a beachhead in a prominent red state like Georgia? They hope to turn blue, you know, a la what happened with Wendy Davis in Texas, for example, or a sign of something else. John, I'm going to start with you quickly. What do you think? 
it's broader than just Georgia. I think that the Democrats, they see someone who's woke, who's uh, an intersectionalist feminist, who's a black woman, a strong black woman, and they just go after her because they're like, we don't really have that many talented people on our side right now. So whether it's Beto O'Rourke in Texas, who doesn't have any ideas, but is cool, and they think he kind of you know appeals to the Hispanic community because of his fake name, or Stacey Abrams, they just go after them and they try to groom them so that they can get something uh, in, in, maybe in time for 20 or maybe 2024. Todd. Yeah, this is intimate, intimately related to what we talked about with Joe Biden. Uh, it, this is, she's still standing there because of how she looks. If she looked like Joe Biden, uh, she wouldn't. They wouldn't not be uh, defending her or pushing her forward in any way. They'd be telling her to go away. This is it, just like John said. This is about intersectionality. It's clearly not about a record. Jo- Joe Biden's record. We're not even talking about it. It's about the the niche that she fills. Aaron. I have a little bit different take on this, and I'll try to share it as as fast as I can, but I I think it is actually, because she checks a couple of intersectionality boxes, she becomes then about an issue. And you heard it throughout that uh, intro. Her issue is, um, I really want to cloward piven the electoral system in the United States, and that's basically what she wants to do. Think about about how, uh, maybe 20 years ago, how um, ballsy for lack of a better word, it would be to ever challenge to the extent that the Democrats have, specifically Stacey Abrams, challenge the integrity of an election mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Think how ballsy that would be. And yet we're just sitting back here right now. And oh, yeah, this is par for the course. Democrats want to. Elizabeth Warren was talking. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren was talking about it. Uh, Every know, time undoing, Democrats lose, it's illegitimate. It's now. illegitimate yeah. now. That is freaking dangerous, guys. Yeah. That if they start running on everything is illegitimate, that. That, I mean, among all the the other things, all the other dangerous things the left wants to do, that is maybe going to be the closest thing that could spark an actual uh, guns civil war. I agree. uh, Guns and uh, cannons and what have you, civil war. Undo the process and and it's a formal declaration of war. And that's, and I use the, the, yes, I use, that's exactly right. I use the example of Cloward pivoting as as well because they, their their goal essentially, whether it's through illegals voting or whether it's through uh, distrust in the system is to crash our current system yep. so that something else can pop up yep. from, the, from the ashes. Exit question. If Stacey Abrams' political future were a Duran Duran song, which Duran Duran song would it be? A, The Reflex. B, Is There Something I Should Know? C, Girls on Film. Todd. The Reflex. You think she's a force of nature. All right. What do you think, John? Is there something I should know? I still don't really get what, what the appeal with this woman is. Okay. What do you think, John or Aaron? I think is there something I should know because I think a lot of more people, not to pump, pump myself up, but a lot more people I think need to be considerate of what I just said as well. See, I don't answer my exit questions that often anymore. I like to find out what you guys think, but in this case, I think you're all wrong. I think it's girls on film. I think she's just a symbol to uh, throw up there in order to uh, be a vehicle for the agenda that Aaron articulated. That's what I think. All right. When I, think, I said the reflex, I think it's a form of political objectification. That's I, what I, I do too. Is. When I said the reflex, it's not her that's a force of nature, but progressivism is. I hear you. Hey, late last year, the Manhattan uh, District Attorney's Office released a grand jury report noting that law enforcement had received upwards of 2,000 complaints of deed fraud. And almost every one of those cases involved a faulty notarization, meaning somebody tried to forge their way onto a home title that didn't belong to them. That's why we've been telling you 
about home title lock. In fact, this grand jury report said the problem there was so bad it was an epidemic. And you've got scammers and criminals looking for vulnerable properties, scanning the obits, pouring through public records. And it can take as little as a forged deed to transfer ownership of a home. And once that happens, it's difficult to impossible to reverse. Don't let that happen to you, especially because for most Americans, our homes is the most valuable investment we'll ever have. And for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will put a virtual barrier around that investment and protect your home. Find out now for free. Normally, this is $100 value, but today you can find out for free if your home's title has already been compromised or targeted with a title scan and report for free if you log on and register right now at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, we've got two more two more issues to go. Um, when we come back in the next segment, I want to entertain one. And you know, we've kind of added this kicker thing to make it kind of fun at the end because you know we we got to find something to laugh about as you're watching Western civilization implode. But when we come back, I, I want us to I I, I want to give you guys not that. I don't want to make you feel as if I have to verbalize you have permission to do this, all right? Because I think everybody here knows me to some extent well enough to know. You are free to push back on me with impunity. You just better be right, <laughs> okay, if you do, all right? But in this case, I want to make it extra clear. I, I if, if I'm wrong, tell me, all right? Because what I see is no lo contendere. What I see is no mas. But if there is... If there's some level of chess happening here, and I'm, and this and 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 it's this is this is an argument I have been having again prior to whatever before Trump entered the squared circle. Okay, this is an argument me and Team GOP have been having again. This is another one of those shows I feel like I have had. I've done this show before. All right, but you have McConnell has has waved the white flag on every issue in the last week and a half. And he has literally said, unless Democrat judges die or retire, we're not doing anything up here for the next, between now and 2020. Is this smart? Am I missing something? All right. We're going to open this up to debate here on The Day Screw. When we come back, stay tuned. Okay, if you are thinking of buying or selling a home right now, and a lot of Americans are because it is springtime, uh, that means home shopping and selling season. So uh, you need to check this out. It's called Real Estate Agents I Trust. Uh, This is a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver the desired and intended results when needed the most. And what sets real estate agents I trust apart from other referral services that you may uh, encounter is, you know, some of those, like one in particular is sponsored by the uh, National Association of Realtors. Those are folks that are helping realtors line up clients. In this case, the client has the leverage in this relationship because real estate agents I trust is helping the client to find a real estate agent you can trust, an agent that is worthy of you. This is about empowering you as the buyer and or seller. So if you want to sell and or buy a home at the right price and fast, 
you've got to check out realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on The Blaze. It is the Dace Group, your weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three, the Roberto Duran party. moment is one of the most infamous sports moments of the 20th century. And the phrase no mas entered into the sports lexicon forever. Uh, Yes, boys and girls, back then, championship boxing matches were actually on regular television. That's Howard Cosell doing Sugar Ray Leonard versus Roberto Duran for the middleweight championship of the world on ABC's Wide World of Sports on network TV back in the 1970s. And you see Sugar Ray Leonard there taunting Roberto Duran all the way through the fight. Uh, and, And then Duran gets so discouraged that he comes out into the ring after the bell rings for the next round and he waves off the fight and utters the famous fra- this infamous phrase to the referee, no mas, meaning no more. He doesn't want any more. He showed up for a fight that he just ended up quitting in the middle of. And so our question today, is this a metaphor for the Republican Party? Or am I not being fair? Now, McConnell has said no fights on the budget. He already said that. No fight on the budget. Now he's saying no fights on Obamacare. No fights on the border. No moss. No moss. No moss. Um, instead, he's just going to do click conservative show votes. And some of these, I think, are actually worthwhile, like, you know, Ben Sass's infanticide bill. We've talked about that. Just because something is a show vote doesn't mean it doesn't have any substance to it. Not all show votes are created equally. But when you're only going to do show votes with no substance 
on anything else, well, then the meaning becomes diminished. So we're just going to do uh, uh, show votes for the click conservative industry to get their cocaine Mitch memes out and get all their clicks rounded up. Um, but we're not going to do anything other than substantively just sit around and wait for Democrat appointed judges to die or retire. That's all McConnell's going to do between now and 2020. So is this a punk move? Is Team GOP Roberto Duran or, and I, I sincerely mean this when I'm asking, am I wrong? Is this smart politics not to pick any fights? You weren't going to win anyway. Democrats control the House. Of course, I would come back and point out, well, what fights did they pick when they controlled the House too, the previous two years? But maybe there's a dimension of chess here that I'm not aware of. So Todd, I'll start with you. Am I being unfair or is McConnell, is McConnell the chess master? Is he Gary Kasparov or is he Roberto Durant? What do you think? Todd? Oh, I don't think you're being unfair, but I don't think it's a chess master or uh, Nomas. First, I have to thank you, though. First, you give me Duran Duran. Then you give me Roberto Duran. See what I did there? Yeah. And uh, as well, I loved him, as, uh, Sugar Ray, as a kid. I mean, Marvin Hagler, Thomas Hearns One of the great fights, fights of oh. all time, Sugar Ray Leonard versus Marvelous Marvin Good Hagler. Good stuff. Thank yep. you for the Wayback Machine. No, for me, this is as simple as it's a very underappreciated uh, movie. It's not a great movie. Uh, Coppola did it. It's one of the Grishin books, and it's The Rainmaker. And uh, young attorney Matt Damon is sitting across from John Voight's seasoned the, all, that attorneys that's just evil incarnate. And one of the great moments, because it's if you think about who you want to be when you grow up, that moment when you're it's David versus Goliath and 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 they're just he's just getting thrown all around the table. Matt Damon's young character, but he gets pissed off and he says, do you even remember when you first sold out? It's it's Mm. perfect. It is perfect. I've I've never forgotten that because they're not playing the same game. Mitch McConnell is not a senator. He's not a legislator anymore. He's uh, somebody, uh, he's a Batman villain, is what he is. He's he's some caricature who, who he's the guy in the first, in the Batman Begins, the, the mobster. Forgive me. Uh, that, yeah, I know who you're talking that's about. That's who he is. Tom Monahan's character. Tom Monahan's character. Yeah. He, so it's not, he's, it's not no, he's not, I mean, that was just a guy who gave up. He, Mitch McConnell is not giving up. He's stealing from all of us is what he's doing. So it's not genius. You know, it's not there's smart political tactics. You play things at the right moment. The wind's right there. Wait another. That's not it's not that either. Mitch McConnell is stealing from us. All right. John, what do you think? I think that's right for the most part. I mean, when you think about it, if this is such a brilliant long term strategy, what what wins have we had in the past two years? Exactly. uh, Legislatively tax cuts. Kavanaugh. Gorsuch, end of list. I mean that. I mean that, that really is what it comes down to. And so I, I have to wonder: is Mitch, is Mitch's notion of winning really having to do with what the American people see as winning, or is Mitch playing a completely different game here? Mitch's game is to isolate his power, keep the caucus together, and stay in power. Essentially, that's what he's trying to do, and he's doing a pretty good job at that. But I don't really think any of these legislators are all too concerned with accomplishing things that they actually promised to their constituents. I think they are mostly concerned with how do we stay in power, how do we keep this thing together, and how do we keep things running in the way we've been running them for years, which haven't been benefiting the American people, but they don't seem to care. Let me be as devil's advocate. And I'm only doing this because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to see – I just want to make sure – I'm not missing something, okay? Is it possible 
that since judges are really the number one issue for most conservatives, other than party identity, most people vote Republican on the issue of judges, I think, than probably anything else. Because it's one of the few things where the two parties are dramatically still distinct from one another. At least the perception is, is that, okay? Um, should we? Are we looking at it wrong? Should he actually be commended then for applying all of his political capital on the issue that is the, of the utmost importance to most of his base, like the only time they, they, they substantively fought against Obama? Was their, was their failure, was their refusal to hear Merrick Garland's nomination in order to preserve Antonin Scalia's seat through the next presidential election? Is it possible we're reading him wrong and instead he's the hero of the story in that he has chosen only one real fight to pick and it's one that includes appointments that have a legacy that will outlive him? I'm, I'm trying to be as fair as I can. Is that possible, Aaron? What's the first rule of blackjack? You know what the first rule of blackjack is? Dealer always wins. Right. Um, now, you may win uh, a hand in blackjack. You may even strike blackjack a few times. Um, and you may even have a lucky night, but more often than not, because the odds are always in the dealer's favor, that you're going to be left with nothing or very little um, than what you put in. Mm -hmm. uh, Mitch McConnell, whenever he has power, he's the dealer. He's dealing to you, his constituents. He's dealing to the other side in, in, um, in you know, whatever, giving our concessions and our common sense, uh, uh, you know, common, common sense coming together. And, uh, and then he's dealing to his K Street buddies. I mean, that's like any politician would. And then when he's not in power, he just trades places with uh, Chuck Schumer and then he becomes the dealer. This is, this is, this is the first, this is blackjack. We're just making deals all the time, cutting checks. And at the end of the day, you're usually the one who gets the shaft. And it, pretty much everybody gets the shaft except for the ones who the status quo benefits the most which is the pe which are the people in power and that is mitch mcconnell and so i don't think we need to i don't think am i i mean is it illegal to be a blackjack dealer um in a casino no mm -hmm. does it mean that you're inherently an evil peep an evil person and some people somebody's going to email you right now or five people are going to email you right now gambling is wrong and it's immoral blah 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 no it's it's not it's not that that doesn't mean you're, you're evil or bad or stupid even though i might you know i might put myself into the uh, uh cocaine mitch bad camp it's just the way it is. This is the way he operates. He acts like he is in charge, and most of the time, you end up losing. Sometimes you get something. Sometimes you get a few wins, but those wins are usually far, few and far between, and they don't last very long. And this doesn't even include the false premise of putting your trust in the judiciary given the state of America's law schools. Um, yeah. And I've done that show how many times and how many GOP appointed judges have been the ones screwing us on these issues yeah. all this time uh, as it is. But again, I'm I'm I've got no problem burying the guy. I just want to make sure everybody gets a fair hearing before we stand yeah. up and tell Jorel uh, there at the Council of Krypton guilty. That's all. OK, I'm fine saying guilty. Just want to make sure they got a fair hearing you, first. You're at the point where this is so impossibly ridiculous Obvious. And I, am stupid. I missing something? Yes. yes. No. Yeah. It's that okay. impossibly ridiculous I mean, I, and stupid. I, I mean, I, it tastes like urine. It smells like urine. Okay? Got it. It's, it's the color of urine. Got it. I'm pretty sure it's urine that you're just peeing in my face and telling me it's raining. I just want to make sure that I'm not the only one noticing the urine. Okay? Because if I'm the only one noticing Please. the urine, then it's may, it, it may be that it's a me problem. You know what I'm saying? John, let's, you're in Washington, D.C. You're surrounded by urine. Let's just all face it, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you were hoping for some robust debate before we went to that break. Yes. Uh, I don't think we were going to get any. Instead, you guys came back and said, Steve, you're wrong. It's yes, worse than you right. thought it I, was. Yes. There's manure, too. <laughs> Exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being Benedict Arnold and 10 being Jar Jar Binks, nominating Chancellor Palpatine for emergency powers. How loyal of a Team GOP teammate do you think McConnell has been throughout the course of the Trump presidency, Todd? One, he's not he's not a teammate, and thus he's not loyal. John, I'll give him a I'll give him a two, just because Trump seems to think that uh, McConnell is working well with Trump. So if the question is how loyal has he been to Trump and his base, I'll give him that one point. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, just one, just a one. Issue four: You're good enough. You're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today. And I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Hello, I'm Stuart Smalley. Well, Michael, those negative thoughts are your critical inner voice saying those things to you. And I want to replace those negative thoughts with something positive, a daily affirmation. Affirmation? Yes. Now look in the mirror. Come on. Don't look at me, only you can help you. That's it. Say, hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. I don't have to be a great basketball player. I don't have to be a great basketball player. I don't have to dribble the ball fast or throw the ball into the basket. I don't have to dribble the ball fast or throw the ball in the basket. Because all I have to do is be the best Michael I can be. All I have to do is be the best Michael I can be. Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. (laughs) Because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. So this week, maybe my all-time favorite sports talk radio host, Tony Bruno, liked one of my tweets on immigration, which might be the most public affirmation I have received in quite some time since Ravi Zacharias started following me on Twitter a few years ago, or since Hal Sparks from one of my kids' favorite Disney Channel shows, Lab Rats, picked a fight with me once. I don't even remember the issue. We went back and forth on this for like three days. Okay, so what's your favorite social media affirmation you've received, John? Uh, A few months ago, I did get retweeted by the president's official Twitter account. So that and that was pretty cool. I think whoever's in office, it's pretty cool to be uh, retweeted by the president. I will say, however, that I think it was in 2011, maybe 2012, when I was still extremely new to Twitter, I had maybe uh, 70 or 80 followers. Um, Keith Olbermann decided to pick a fight with me, which was pretty (laughs) cool just because just because I was a nobody. And I think that's when it dawned on me um, the potential of Twitter, the fact that really it is like nobody's. And so 
celebrities. Doggone it, people and, like John you know, Miller, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Right. And just being able to interact with them, I thought that was really cool and it opened my eyes. So uh, that was up there, definitely. Todd, quickly. I have yet to have one. Ashley Bratcher followed me back after we interviewed The actress her. of Unplanned, yeah. like two days ago? Yeah, honestly, I, I yeah. don't really have that one to hold out yet. I Because I, if I did, I'd... So you're, you're waiting, sounds like you're waiting for Catholic guilt well, to follow somebody, you on Twitter. Yeah, well, somebody please like me. Yes, okay. Aaron. Uh, after I did the intersectionality madness thing, Zeke Morgan Jr. commented on Facebook, the warped humorous darkness that the daily influence of Steve Dace has inflicted upon poor, unsuspecting Aaron, a glorious level of total depravity that we, the listener, are blessed to enjoy. Bravo and keep it coming. That's the best affirmation That's I've pretty ever good. gotten. That's yeah. pretty good. Exit question on a scale of one to 10, with one being John Cusack with the headgear in 16 Candles, and 10 being John Cusack owning the indie record store in High Fidelity. How cool are you, Todd? Number. Just give me a number. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 11. Hey, what do you think, John? What number? Oh, Todd's going 11. I'm going 12. It's the daily affirmation segment. What do you code. think, Aaron? Uh, Google. Yeah. Yeah. Infinity uh, is the answer. You're all wrong. Uh, <laughs> predictions. Todd, go. Virginia over Texas Tech in the national championship game. All right. What do you think, John? Uh, I think Pete Buttigieg uh, is number two in the Democrat primary. Doesn't get it to number one. That will be one of the bigger names, but I think he gets pretty high up there. Okay. Aaron? Uh, in the next two seasons, David Montgomery will be the all-time or the all-purpose yardage leader in the NFL playing under Andy Reid. Little uh, Iowa Hawkeye. Uh, pandering, panderathon there to your cyclone brethren. I like it. Uh, my prediction is uh, my pre NCAA tournament pick of Virginia over Michigan State in the championship game. I believe that's going to turn out to be exactly right, and you know why? Because I'm I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. John Miller, thanks for joining us today and this week on the uh, roundtable here on the Days Group. Good to see you, brother. Take care. Thanks, Steve. You too. All right. So when we come back here for hour two. Um, we're going all in on Feedback Friday and the over under on truth bombs I will drop in response to our audience is four. And Todd, you're keeping count because apparently Aaron can't count past two, which is exactly what you want. You want a production engineer who sucks at math. Every show should have one. We'll come back with hour two here live and on demand on The Blaze next. Stay tuned. And we are back live and on demand, hour number two here on The Blaze. If you are listening to us on demand today, by the way, if you would, on the podcast platform of your choice, leave us a five-star review. We would appreciate that. Uh, appreciate all of you that have left us uh, one of those already. Thousands of you have done so. Thank you. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Those of you just listening to the audio portion today, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We will be getting to your feedback here momentarily. But if you've not yet had a chance to see this film, it's going into its second weekend. And Unplanned is expanding all over the country. And um, I just saw on the Twitter account, they just did something. It's one of those things that just shows you that this is more than a movie, guys. And the official Twitter account for Unplanned just tweeted out. If you haven't shared yet your Unplanned stories with us, we want to hear them. And know, and know that you are loved. See, I think, I think 
the the secret sauce of this movie. It's not just that it shows you what the real horror of abortion actually is. Because if it did that alone, if that's all that it did, it would it would it would be a threat to the to the the death cult. But what makes it a an existential threat to the death cult is that after showing the horror of what the culture is permitting, it then offers the culture the way out with it. The redemption with it. The healing with it. It's the fact that this movie says the same God whose creations you're murdering and whose law you're violating and whom you will be accountable to for all of these millions of deaths. He sent his son to die for you in your place and offers you grace and redemption and mercy. The judgment you deserve, that doesn't have to be the end of the story. It can end there. That's up to you. But it doesn't have to. And see, that's now. That's now why I'm getting emails from women, like some we've shared already this week, and I continue to get them, telling me, hey, Steve, this was my story. Because conviction is what brings you to repentance. And repentance is what brings you to healing. Condemnation is what makes you shirk. Condemnation is what makes you cower. Condemnation is when is when the servant says to the master when he returns, you know, I knew you were a wicked and or you were a vicious taskmaster and I was afraid of what the what the consequences of this of my failure might be, so I I took the talent you gave me and I buried it. And the master looks at that servant and says, "You are wicked. Depart from me. I don't know who you are." That's what condemnation does. Conviction, though, brings you out of the darkness into the light. And that's what this movie is. It is not condemning, but oh boy, is it convicting. No doubt. So if you've not yet had a chance to see this movie, it's going into its second weekend. It's expanding. Uh, I think they're doubling the theaters nationwide from about 1,000, about 1,800. Is that right? I think I read. That's what I read. All right, well. So it's going to be on more screens all over the country. Unplanned. Make sure I get the right website, by the way. Unplannedfilm.com. If you haven't yet watched the trailer unplannedfilm.com. Todd, how, you want to chime in? How often does it happen in um, movie business that the second weekend is bigger than the first? It doesn't typically happen um, because most of the movies aren't movies like this. Most of them are major releases and all of it goes into the first weekend. Now, the, the Christmas season's a little different than the summer season. In the summer movie season, essentially, every, you know, 
you see huge, massive 40, 50% drops from week one to week two, even amongst, you know, Marvel movies or Star Wars movies. In the Christmas season, though, they tend to have longer staying power because they come out in November and December when a lot of young people are still at school, people aren't on vacation yet. And and so it's a little bit different. What they're trying to follow, and it's 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 not accidental because the people that produced this movie did the first God's Not Dead movie. And this was, and what they did with the first not, God's Not Dead movie is it opened in a, at about a, nationwide, but only in about 800 screens. And it did so well that the theater chains came back to them and said, hey, we'll put you on more screens if you want. And then it, the movie really took off from there. And so they're, they're actually trying to emulate that same plan that worked when they did the first God's Not Dead movie. Okay. okay? But it, typically, you're right. This is not how it usually works. I mean, the, the movie did $700,000 in business on Monday. Guys, that's that's good for a major motion picture on a Monday in the first week of April. It's almost a 700. Yeah, it's 700 grand on Monday is what it's So I'm thinking there's, there's a word of mouth that clearly was yeah. in Christian circles, but in mainstream circles, people are just finding out about it. No this. doubt, no doubt about it. And, you know, I was joking. I was on a call with uh, one of the, uh, uh, the film's producers earlier this week, and I was joking. You guys need to send Jack Dorsey at Twitter a check. He did you a solid, man, with him jacking with your social media account. Because what it did is I think it opened up to a whole different layer of exposure. They did – even Slate, you were telling me, Aaron, has written about this this yeah, week, Yeah, and right? it, you know, it, it was not glowing by any any stretch, stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's amazing when you take away objections, when you take away the kind of uh, surface-level objections, what little people are left to criticize mm-hmm. you. Of course, it, uh, the, the the biggest criticism was preaching to the choir. <coughs> Excuse me. But even Slate noted that how honest the portrayal of all the characters were. And uh, again, when you take away objections and when you just get to the, the heart of the matter, which I think this is what this film did, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what even some of the most ardent... Uh, opponents will be left with, which is pretty much nothing. All right, unplannedfilm.com. That's the website. Now, today is April 5th. Very big day. All right. Um, if you're a Star Trek fan, you know why today's a big day. Because April 5th, I believe it's 2063, is the day Zephram Cochran, who invents warp drive, makes first contact with an extraterrestrial species. Thus launching the the larger Star Trek mythos. All right. So April 5th is Star Trek's version of the Big Bang, basically. Okay. It's a key date in uh, pop culture um, minutia is April 5th. It is also my wedding anniversary. And uh, if you're wondering, did Amy and I choose this date completely separate? from our knowledge that it was the date of first contact. The answer is no. <laughs> you will neither confirm or deny. I mean, the movie first contact that tells this story, which I would argue is the only good movie they did with the next generation crew. And it's not even good. It's great. Um, that movie came out in 1996. That's the year Amy and I were engaged. So Amy wanted to actually get married. Uh, she chose a wedding date in October. Gentlemen, what does the dude code say about fall weddings? What does it say? No bueno. No, no, no mas. No bueno. No low contendre. No. no. No fall weddings. Ladies. That uh, that one gif of uh, what's his face 
Jonah Hill sitting in the audience yeah. doing one of these. Yeah. Okay. Fall weddings are negatory. There's only 12 college football Saturdays. There's 52 Saturdays. Pick one of the other 40. Okay? You have 40 other Saturdays to pick. You don't pick one of those 12. Todd, when no. were you married? I was married uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. See what I mean? Yeah. So, and it wasn't just me that had to be the bad guy. Amy's family, they're all Michigan fans. Several of them are Michigan grads. It wasn't just any fall Saturday she picked. It was the Saturday of the Michigan-Michigan State game. So upon the hearing the news that not only would the groom not be available, but the entire <laughs> wedding party. <laughs> right. We had to look for subsequent dates, stat. So she picked. So then she starts looking January, February. That's winter. You don't want to get married in the winter in Michigan. All right. March. She's thinking March. And then I'm thinking, what Madness. am I thinking in March? Madness. Yeah. If, if it's not quite to the to the dude code violation of a fall wedding, but it's it's like in the unwritten rules of the dude code. March weddings. No. All right. So she's like, what is the earliest possible date we could pick? The wedding's off. Thank <laughs> you. All right. And so it was the first weekend in April. Uh, now, well, Steve, that's when the final four is. It actually wasn't back then. They they actually ended this thing in March. All right. Nowadays, they're they're trying to extend it as long as they can. This is like going to be the latest NCAA championship game we've ever had. It will be this year. It's going to be what April eighth. Okay. Um, and uh, we were like, well, we could push it back a week just in case the turn the final four is later. And then we saw Star Trek First Contact. And we learned April 5th was the date of first contact. And we were like, wouldn't it be cool, you know, just to have your wedding day on the day of first contact? So that's why we chose it. And today is that day. So, honey, if you are watching, and I know you're not, I know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's so funny? What was this for? Why did we do this? <laughs> you know what's so funny is to get people's reactions when they walk up to her. And they're like, uh, oh, I'm sure you heard what your husband talked about. And, and, and she'll politely nod. <laughs> she, no, not, not, no. She's got 17 other things going on. She hears enough of what I think. She doesn't need to listen to a performance ver version of it. So, no. Okay. Uh, that, and that's, that's what's funny is she's not listening to this at all. But it's, but it's one of those things, though, A, that in all seriousness – um, if not for that date, I would not be here doing what I am doing here right now, period. Okay. And then there's the other part of it. You know, we're always looking to give Aaron preemptive pointers, right? To not, to learn from our travels and, and experiences and failures and successes. Yes. Never fight a land war in Asia. Asia, uh, yes, for example. Yeah. Like yeah. We, we taught young Aaron, established the minimum man cave presence now so that when the time comes that the woman comes into the home yeah. you you can't upsell it's hard to upsell todd right it's hard to upsell it is you need to so you need to establish that baseline of what you what your personal expectation level is right there right do it now right okay so those are just some of i think the pearls of wisdom that we have given aaron over the years that at some point we believe will pay off for him right sure here's another one okay 
women love to hear that their man has complimented them from other women in an environment that is unfamiliar they weren't aware of. Like, they love when you send the flowers to the workplace rather than at home so the other women can see, right? They love that. Isn't it a a misnomer that women are not competitive? They're extremely competitive. Yes. It's just probably why. It's just a pettier competitiveness, frankly, if you want to be brutally honest about it, because it is the area of no BS, right? And when I say that, it's not, I'm not saying women are inherently pettier than men. What I'm saying is there's a certain level of, 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 of uh, debaggery we can't, as men, go to because get someone's just going to get yeah. punched in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> right? So there's a, there's a fear factor. Now that's in the dude code, <laughs> okay. yes. There is inherently a – believe me, if that fear wasn't there, oh – I can tell you where, how I can only I can't even describe the depths of debaggery men would sink to in order to get over on one another. Okay, but the fear of reprisal runs strong in this side of the of the species. It may come later than you think. Yes, but it's there. And yes, uh, and so th- so it's not that we're we're not inherently better. We are inherently more fearful of what will happen when the when the when uh, justice is is meted out. All right. So we there's just certain things we know. I can't say there's certain things my mouth can't write checks that my face cannot cash. <laughs> All right? All right? So there's just certain depths we won't go to. All right. So I know she's not watching this, but. I know she'll get a kick out of the fact that other women are, and they will point out, hey, your husband, uh, uh, you know, singled you out on the show today. Mm. And I'm not doing that because I want to earn brownie points. Mm. Although I don't, I won't turn them down. No BS. I won't turn them down. But because she's worthy of me doing it. Does that make sense? Indeed. Yeah. So happy anniversary, baby. And, uh, we're going to the. We're doing our classic Dace couple uh, dinner and a movie tonight, and um, kids are going to the grandparents. And uh, Aaron, that's another lesson. Go to the grandparents. Kids go to the grandparents, oh, brother. Okay. Absolutely, if you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> Todd, you know what I'm saying. You pick it up when I'm laying down. Got I was, it. I was yeah. homeschooled, so I have no idea. <laughs> Which is odd, because all of you guys have like nine kids in your family. That was it's an amazing amount of immaculate conception. Just kind of, they're just tossing those out nowadays, yeah. right? Yeah. Just evolution, random <laughs> bumping around. <laughs> oh, I think that's a Bobby Brown song. Uh, let's get to uh, uh, Feedback Friday, brought to you by our friends at Patriot Mobile. Hey, restricting free speech is restricting the truth, and the left is using their corporate interests to do that right now. We see shadow bans on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, all across the media-fruited plain. Uh, we just talked about the movie Unplanned. They tried to purchase advertising at numerous mainstream media outlets, and their money was told it's no good here. Uh, across the board because they didn't want to give them advertising for that message. Well, hey, you know, freedom isn't a one-way street, although our progressive friends would like to pretend that it is. We as conservatives, we can do the same thing. We can use our corporate interests to further advance and fund our causes as well. And that's what Patriot Mobile does. It's a veteran-led, uh, America's only conservative cell phone company. Uh, and it's, it's basically every cell phone company has the same coverage. 
Now, there's going to be certain places where if you live in certain communities, you're going to get a better network in that particular place. But we mean like on a nationwide level, there's one or two, three percent difference between all four of the carriers. So really, the major difference is what they do with the money that you give them for your mobile. That's where Patriot Mobile comes in. If you want your money, and it's hard to live without a mobile phone nowadays, so if you want your money to go to causes that you believe in, with plans starting as low as $25 a month, why wait? Call 1-800-A-PATRIOT right now. A Patriot, that's the number. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. Use code BLAZE while you're there, and they'll waive the activation fee, or you can just make it even simpler. Just go to the website, uh, patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze, and they'll waive your activation fee. So let us begin. Uh, This is from uh, Todd, a different Todd. There's a Tennessee bill calling for prosecuting mothers who harm or make their babies addicted to illegal drugs during pregnancy. Question, why is getting your baby addicted to drugs bad, but murdering that same baby is not? Is this some kind of four-dimensional chess trying to prove the rights of the child or just more hypocrisy from a fallen worldview um yes it is uh it's the doctrine of demons todd trying to have it both ways trying to claim they're for the children while killing the children i mean the reason why these arguments don't line up is because they're not intended to they're demonic trolls the doctrines of demons They come right out of the bowels and pit of hell. So whatever, whatever cause you have to understand. And this is one of the points I make in the book, a nefarious plot. Hell is not immoral because for something to be immoral would still be to assert a standard, right? I mean, we only know if something is more is immoral. If we acknowledge what, what is moral? You can't be moral without immorality. You can't have immorality without morality. Can't be good without evil. Yeah, so hell is amoral. You want a great depiction of what I believe the devil is truly like. Is Heath Ledger's The Joker. Gary DeMar uh, wrote about this at the time The Dark Knight came out. And he, his review of the film was that Heath Ledger is playing Satan, an agent of, he even calls himself an agent of, of chaos, whatever will cause the most destruction, whatever causes the highest body count. And the scene at the end where he pits the two fairies against each other. And in this case, Batman is a substitutionary redemptive element in a way. And he is saying to them, much as Ares says to Gal Gadot's or Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman at the end of the movie, they're not worthy of your efforts. They'll destroy each other. They just need a little nudge. They're irredeemable. That's, they're, those, those scenes are actually more secular archetypes of, of the scene in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane and um, uh, Mel Gibson's The Passion, where the androgynous Satan whispers in Aramaic the exact same things into the ears of Christ. They're not worth this. They'll turn their back on you and each other. What hell wants is a body count. Chaos. If they can use 
moralism to produce that, they will. If they can use immorality to produce that, they will. Whatever produces the most carnage of God's redemptive creative plan, hell is for. So, if at the same time hell can say, it's for the children, they will. Especially if they can do that while they're, they, they can then turn around and with the other side of their two faces say, kill the children. Agree? Disagree? What do you think, gentlemen? Well, listen, in uh, Catholic uh, teaching, for you to commit mortal sin, three things that ha- need to happen. You need to do something that is of grave matter, which means it's objectively evil. And then you need to know that it's uh, objectively evil, and then you also need to do it willingly. And those two uh, caveats are important because abortion was always grave matter. Uh, But back in 1972, uh, when we do not have ultrasounds to the extent that we do not, things like that, uh, the level of delusion you can fall into where convincing yourself, clump of cells, it's not a baby yet, uh, always lies, but easier. We 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 have no co- such cover anymore. This is an example. It, why, why would we step forward? Because we know that this is objectively evil. And we willingly do it now. We willingly execute babies, that, which means that we are more culpable than ever before not just the people committing abortions, but the the people standing by and who would legislate something like this and who have over and over and over again looked the other way on saying here and no further on baby killing. Now, that's a truth bomb. Does that count towards the over-under I said if somebody else drops it? Are we going to follow this to the letter of the law or uh, or are we we can make a change on the fly? No. Total, total truth bombs? Total truth bomb. Yeah, we'll do total truth bombs drop. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Okay. So that's 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 an absolute truth bomb. What Todd just dropped right there. You bet. Yeah. And I would just I would add any time when there are no good answers to something, and in this case that was written about to you, Steve, the, there are no good answers as to why there's a bill that would make it illegal or penalize mothers for poisoning their children, whereas it's not illegal for an abortionist to poison a mother's children. Anytime there are no good answers to that. Usually the devil is in play in the same type of way that the Joker set up. It's all what you part just, of the plan. It's all part of the plan. Yeah. In, in the same way the jo- Joker set up a, a version of the Kobayashi Maru uh, in that river uh, in the dark night. That's that's usually when you know that um, you know something. What was something this way comes. Uh, something wicked this something way comes. Something wicked yeah. this way comes. That's usually a pretty good indication. This note from Bill is fascinating. And it's an angle I'd not previously considered. He says, I think conservatives, as conservatives, we need to be careful about enjoying the locusts on the left devouring each other. Because the way locusts work is they do devour each other, but never to extinction. Only the strongest and most ruthless will remain. So beware of what you wish for. This, as you may know, is exactly what the socialists in Germany did in the late 20s and 30s. I write this as a native of Germany. This idea, you know, because we love it, right? Right? Watching them feast on each other, we talk about it. And he's like, are you sure? You sure you're getting the show you think you're getting? I, I, I'm not sure that I agree, 
but I at least think it's an angle we ought to consider. I'm, and that's why I'm giving this point number two as, as a truth bomb. He's he's begging a very important question. Mm-hmm. What's the, uh, he's he's describing the, why do I always, isn't the, the Bat, Superman, Batman, the Doomsday? Doomsday. doomsday. Yeah. I don't know why I forget. He's, he's talking about the Doomsday effect. You keep hitting him and he keeps getting stronger and more powerful and more ruthless so that they're eating their own. But what comes out of it? Uh, yeah, sooner or later, the, the good guys need... It, it, it's just not a show. It's, okay, put the popcorn aside. We need to kill that. He's, yeah, that's a very important question. What do you think I, about that, Aaron? No, that I, I think that's... As much as I was in, um, looking forward to, like Jesse Kelly said, Twitter eventually devolving into two angry feminists shouting at, you, at each other because one of them accidentally got a boyfriend... Um, as much as I was <laughs> anticipating enjoying that, and I enjoy the fact that the Oscars couldn't find anybody is w- woke enough to host it, to- what Todd said I think is the a- is the answer to the que- well. You just said it. It was the answer to the question that was begging. At some point, this has to stop. Just it has to stop, one way or the other, and I think it will stop. But the way it stopped, and to carry that analogy out to its logical conclusion that he put in the email. Uh, about Germany, it's usually pretty bloody. This either stops one way or the other. It's going to be bloody or there's going to be revival. Hey, if you have itchy ears, ear pain, that plugged up feeling, it is allergy season and you've been putting off that trip to the doctor for that ear cleaning because you're like, I don't want to wait. I don't have time. I don't want to throw in another copay, et cetera. What if I told you you can get a professional grade ear cleaning in the comfort and convenience of your own home and and you don't even have to have a prescription. It's called WaxRx. It uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup, and then it will soothe the ear with a pH condition formula, just like you would get at the doctor's office. You can try the WaxRx system risk-free today. Just go to usewaxrx.com. Usewaxrx.com, all one word, that's the website. While you're there, use the offer code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Again, no visit to the doctor. No prescriptions, no copays, comfort and convenience of your own home. Use waxrx.com. That's the website. Offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Use waxrx.com. You know, the thing when you, and that's one of my favorite lines so far in 2019 is Jesse Kelly saying that to Tucker Carlson when he got banned temporarily from Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, but you know what though? It's funny, but Notice who's the one getting the ban in his in his joke, in he his punchline. Who's the who we're the ones getting banned? Yep. The two lesbians shouting at each other. Yeah, they're still there. The two lesbian feminists are still there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. They're still there. We're silenced. Truth problem number three. <laughs> that never dawned on me before. I was so busy laughing. At the punchline, hey. I may have not lost, may have been lost on me. The joke's on us, actually, because the angry lesbian feminists are still there about accidentally finding a boyfriend and yelling and screaming at each other about how wokey they are. We're the ones whose voices are no longer heard. We're the ones who's been who've been silenced in uh, in Jesse's uh, in Jesse's metaphor. Huh. That kind of goes to what Bill is talking about too, it doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does fit. It does fit the metaphor. That is interesting. You seem like you're having a existential moment yeah. here. 
That's one of the more unsettling moments in real time I have had on this show recently. You know, I feel like I, I felt watching that Joker trailer for the first time the oh, other day, where yeah. he just starts indiscriminately laughing at uncomfortably awkward times. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about right now, actually. We'll come back more live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. If you are thinking of buying or selling a home this year, check out Real Estate Agents I Trust. It's a company started by Glenn Beck and his friends a few years ago because they were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the results, weren't there when needed the most. If you haven't done this before, it's one of the most stressful times in your life is selling a home, buying a home, double the stress when you're doing it on both ends, trying to line it up, you know, selling the home you're in and then buying the next one. You know, we were blessed, particularly this last go around that we went through 12 years ago. We were blessed to have an excellent uh, real estate agent, Scott Remsburg. Give him a shout out because I know he listens to us every now and then. I, I don't know if you didn't have your own Scott Remsburg, how would you do it? Well, here's how you can find a guy like that. It's called realestateagentsitrust.com. And the difference between this and other referral sites is as opposed to helping agents find clients, this is about empowering you, the customer, to find a worthy agent. Agents that have been transparent, uh, they've been held accountable, they have been vetted, and that's why they're included on the site. realestateagentsitrust.com. Buy or sell for fast and at the right price with the team. At realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we're back here on Feedback Friday, and uh, we're kind of combining today's Truth Bomb, sponsored by my new book, Truth Bombs Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believed, or Our Own Demise. Thank you to all of you that have left us that five-star review at Amazon. If you haven't done that yet and you've read the book and you like it, please consider doing so. So we're kind of combining Feedback Friday with truth bombs today and we had an over under could we drop four truth bombs four total truth bombs during feedback friday we're at three right now right and bill our last emailer was one of the guys one of the truth bombs so well done bill this is from dave willow he writes i fear the democrats and i loathe the republicans the former for their ideology, tactics, and conviction, and the latter for their spineless, unprincipled, go-along-to-get-along, at least while we're in power, non-conviction. The only good guys are some of the Republicans, but they are too few. And without term limits, Washington almost always ends up corrupting them. Dave, in many respects, summed up a good portion of my career in that email. In fact, I'm going to check. How many words? My life's work. You're finding if it's short enough to be on your tombstone? Yeah. My, my life's work here um, has largely been summarized by Dave Willow in 52 words. It's been pretty much what the last 13 years of my life is summarized in 52 words. That's kind of like an obit, right? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> It's kind of like, uh, you know, what's put on a tombstone, but you usually don't get 52 words, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm unsettled again. Thank I'm, you, Dave. I'm not giving that a truth bomb only because that transcends even truth bombs. That's just, that's the a priori matter behind truth bombs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and 
I had gotten to a point in my career where I understood that, that I just couldn't do anything about that anymore. You know, and that's why I've largely divorced myself from direct political activism. You know, uh, getting involved in every meaningful primary campaign and stuff that I could, I just, you know, um, I realized it was far more likely I was going to send uh, another person into being um, absorbed by the matrix than I was going to find the Neo who was going to blow it up. Okay. And I've helped get several people elected in my career that had the right convictions. And when they went into the system and tried to truly challenge it, what it did to them had collateral damage, prison, divorce. And I'm just, you know, I, I got tired of being the political version of an army recruiter who promised you that it was just all going to be see the world. You know, there was no CD underbelly, you know, no risk involved, no collateral damage involved. And, you know, if we're going to continue to quote the dark night here on this episode, I finally had to realize, you know, how did I think they were going to react to pushing back? Did I, I did, why didn't I contemplate that the system would not just sit there and say, thanks for the reform. We appreciate it. We've been waiting for you all along. No, no, they were, they were going to, they were going to double down. It was, there was going to be damage, you know? Um, and now my struggle is coming to work every day and having my self-worth dictated by one person and that person is not me or even somebody I pay to be on our show. But Donald Trump, that's, that's the part now I've made my peace with the system's not really reformable because I gave it my best shot to do that. And I can accept the things I cannot change really well. It just takes me a while to be convinced I can't change them. <laughs> Once I become convinced, I'm like, no, it is what it is, right? And I'm going through this process now with, I, I'm, I will have to eventually learn that if, if your determination of my self-worth is whether I love or hate Donald Trump as much as you do, I will eventually just learn I, I, I can't navigate that. But it's um, right now, it's the most exhausting aspect of this job. And I, I, I keep telling myself the only way to win the game is not to play. And like, we're not playing the game. No. I mean, we're, we no. don't, I, well, but it keeps, get, we keep, I keep getting dragged into a game. I've already said, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to play. And I, I keep showing up at the playground and I keep being drafted into a game that I've already made it abundantly clear. I'm not playing your game, that I seemingly can't avoid it. Were you going to say something, Aaron? Are you familiar with Family Guy? Did you ever watch the show? I watched a little bit, five minutes of an episode once, and it was when he was driving uh, on the interstate and had to go number two. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't. And he kept trying to hold it, and hold, yep. and frankly, it hit a little too close to home for me. So I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> There's a character at um, at at uh, the workplace at the brewery that Peter works at called Opie. 
Uh, and he's just I- idiotic. He's just he, he can't even speak English. He just speaks in nonsensical jibber jabber. Yet he is somehow um, one of the uh, highest paid employees there, and he's like the favorite of the person who runs the plant. That's who you're playing the game against. You're playing a completely you're p- compl- playing a, trying to play a game against people who are playing want to play something completely different. You're, this is. This is Calvin Ball from mm-hmm. Calvin and Hobbes. Over and over and over again, the rules keep changing. You keep getting set, sucked into this and that. It is it is an impossible game to play because it's not a game at all. It is just chaos over and over and over again. And I'm sitting here, and again, I've expressed this numerous times. I'm sitting here watching this. And sometimes, you know, I experience a little bit of it myself, but it's mostly you're on the brunt end of of the orange man bad Cheeto Jesus saves idolatry over and over and over again. And it's exhausting for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's probably exhausting for Todd as well to see it. It's uh, and I was expressing to uh, a buddy of mine called me yesterday morning. And this job is awesome, except for when you're at the butt end of people's idolatry. And that happens more often than not. And mm-hmm. we're not saying this to be. I know you're not saying this to be uh, feel sorry for me. Oh, we have it so bad. No, we don't. We have it really well. Um, and we know that, but it, it is exhausting on, uh, on an existential level because of the calling that I think we all three of us firmly believe. And yet when you're, com- when you're constantly on the butt end of people's idolatry, it can be very, very difficult to see. Is this, is, am I making a difference here? What are the two, what, what's one of the biggest insecurities a guy will ever have? Uh, whether what he does matters. Right. Uh, right. And it's that constant. And it's, I, I think it's, I think it's a battle. I think it's a good battle to have, but it is constantly, um, you know, I, I feel for you, but you know, you're not, you're not alone. It's the, I don't mind conflict. I can love it. Yeah. You know, I got into this for some conflict. Yeah. Okay. I, I, but I didn't, I didn't get into this for a food fight. You know, I don't care who your favorite damn lunch lady is. You know, I don't care. I don't care what you think of the lunch lady's hairnet. I don't care. Okay. I don't care. And, and I am being made to care um, about things that are really just irrelevant constantly. And um, it's Cheeto Jesus saves versus orange man bad. And, and when you try to address the Trump presidency on a substantive level, there, you, n- no credibility you have pre-established is acknowledged. No benefit of the doubt is provided. You can only have made the decision you made that he is wrong because you, are, you have sold out and you want to be on CNN. And you can only make the decision that he is right because you have sold out and you want to be on Fox. There is no other, there's no rationale between these two points. That's what's exhausting. I got into this to go to Alcatraz for the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I want Tommy guns that are smoking because we have we, because the amount of bullets that have been fired, the amount of bull, blood that has been spilled. I want a freaking crime scene. That's why I got into this. Fire up the 1812 overture. We've just begun to kill. That's why I got into this. I didn't get into this to go to Alcatraz and die of syphilis for tax evasion. I didn't get into this for that. But that's what this is. It's become high school. Love my monkey. Touch it. I, I, that's the part of this that I'm just like, you know, I'll make all kinds of sacrifices. 
and happily do it for a worthwhile just war. Not for your version of um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid's popularity rankings in his notebook, because that's what this has become. I give points for truth bomb number four for the best rendering of the this is high school lunchroom analogy yet on this show. <laughs> or, and I've you know I've got the, I've got the high school lunchroom fresh in my in my uh, head right now because I went and saw Shazam for the first time yesterday and that that movie is a ton of fun and some of its best scenes take place in the high school lunchroom okay so high school lunchroom culture is fresh on the brain uh, at the moment Brock writes I appreciate your show and the truth that you guys try to bring to your listeners I've got a question about the Supreme Court and the role that it should assume based on the views of the founding fathers I've heard the argument before that judicial review should not be a power of the Supreme Court. But if they didn't have the power of judicial review, what would be what would a properly functioning Supreme Court actually look like? Take a case like Heller versus DC. What would the Supreme Court's role in this case have been without the power of judicial review? If you answered this question in the past, please point me in the right direction to hear or read a sufficient explanation. Again, that's from Brock. Brock, those are excellent questions. And and one of the things you're pointing out is there's a fallacy about what, what is an activist judge? You know, in the case of Washington, D.C., trying to tell, trying to impose an unconstitutional gun ban. You know, and you want an activist judge. You want a judge who will act, who will actively enforce the Constitution over an unjust law. You know, so we can't get into a situation where an activist judge is, did he rule the way that I wanted to? Yes, then he's not an activist. No, then he is. Okay, that's why we don't use the term activist judge a lot on this show. All right, because you want judges who act on their um, on their oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. You want them to act on it. You don't want them to be pacifists where the Constitution's concerned. Would you rather have a pacifist or an activist when it comes to a judge in the Constitution? What would you rather have? Activist. Activists. That's what I'd rather have. With the, see, what happens, what we have now is the Democrats are, large, are, almost, are 100% appointing activist judges. And the Republicans, at least 50 to 75% of the time, are, are, are appointing pacifist ones. What do I mean by that? Meaning that when the very few Republican appointed judges are willing to turn back the tide on the bad stuff that's already happened. They'll say, hey, it's case law, it's precedent, nothing we can do about that. And if, but if you think that's bad, Brock, and I'm not answering your question, here's why. I've got even worse news for you. Let me give you an analogy. We have our kids, we have a, our, the kids in our high school are acting out sexually. So let us debate, should we give them condoms? So at least they won't have unwanted pregnancies. So they did this in the UK in the 1990s. And then after about a decade of this, they did a mass study. And you know what they found was the, the unwedlock out of wedlock birth rate plummeted. Good news, right? It, it, yeah, it plummeted. And um, STD rates skyrocketed. Skyrocketed. Because the kids said, well, okay, I guess we just won't do this vaginally. We'll just use every other orifice, including things that are supposed to be essentially, um, you know, human waste uh, de- depositories. We'll use those. We'll just, you know, we'll keep that. Since you told us that what the problem wasn't that we were acting out. The problem was the result of our acting out. We'll just act out in a way that doesn't produce the desired result. STD rates, kaplooey, through the roof, man. And so the out-of-wedlock birth rate went this way, and the STD rate went that way. Oh. Why do I bring that up, Brock? 
Because Brock, you're asking all the right questions. The problem is you're asking them about 20 years too late. We're way beyond debating judicial review. I would love to debate John Marshall and the and Thomas. I'd love to renew John Marshall versus Thomas Jefferson, Marbury versus Madison, and what is judicial review? And is it in plot? I'd love to have that debate. Because that debate would mean we are debating the original schema and constraints that the Constitution put on the government. What we have now is judicial supremacy, judicial overview. They're not reviewing, they're dictating everything. So your questions are really good, Brock. They're too late. It's, it, it's, the, it's the judicial equivalent of, hey, the answer to the, our kids having sex in high school is to give them condoms so we have fewer pregnancies. Well, you didn't really address the issue of why the kids are having, are sexually acting out that, that much. You didn't really address the issue. And your questions are good ones. They're just not really the issue that's at hand now. The issue that's at hand now, Brock, is there is no answer to your question that the judges will accept because they believe they are the ultimate power. And until that changes, yeah, until that changes, there is, there's no point even debating the judicial review because you don't have a constitution. The constitution is what they say it is. They're their own unelected perpetual constitutional convention. So that's not the argument John Marshall and Thomas Jefferson were having. That's a banana republic. Let me mention this one more time. Your own home is the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. We mentioned earlier in the show today, this report from the Manhattan DA's office, they had received upwards of 2,000 complaints last year uh, of deed fraud, and almost every single one of them was a faulty notarization, meaning someone trying to forge their way onto the home, the title of a home that doesn't belong to them. Protect your most valuable asset with our friends at Home Title Lock. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title for just pennies a day because they may want the title, but what they really want is the value. They really want the equity. They want what it's worth, all right? And so they, they want to liquidate that equity and value and they want to liquidate it into their pockets when really it's yours, okay? Don't let them get away with it. Put a virtual barrier around your investment, around your home's title for pennies a day with our friends at Home Title Lock. And right now you can find out for free if your home's title has already been targeted, uh, if it's already vulnerable, if it's already been compromised. Get a free title scan and report at HomeTitleLock.com. Register your home for free on the website at HomeTitleLock.com. Gentlemen, any final thoughts here today? Uh, always truth bomb away, uh, even uh, even if it's hard to swallow, because pretending uh, that uh, having a robust philosophical debate about uh, judicial review is the way to go is uh, spinning your wheels. Uh, move on to the next thing quickly, efficiently, and win. Aaron? Don't end up in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, that's some four-dimensional chess, that advice. Absolutely. Great stuff. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Same to all of you. Uh, We are back at it again on Monday. Until then, John 317. 
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.